Hi everyone, welcome back to our podcast, Wait Let Me Call My Sister. I am so excited for today's guest. You are all literally going to die. It's Liz Roberta, my old coach, Hay House author, an award-winning spiritual life business coach for entrepreneurs in the wellness world. And as I just said, my old coach. So I look up to you so much, Liz. Like I'm I'm like fangirling that you actually gave us the time to come on our podcast as well. So hi again (laughs) thank you for that introduction oh I'm so happy that you're here and I was just saying to Liz before we started like when Liz was my coach I was back at my mum and dad's living um back at home and now it just so happens that this week I'm also at home because I've got a few events on and I was like Liz it feels like we're back coaching again because I'm in my old bedroom because I haven't recorded a podcast here before I'm always in London and yet it just feels you like what's the word like nostalgia like yes. I'm ready manifesting all the things together mm, that was such a transformational three months still not getting over it <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for being here tell our listeners a bit more about you you know our community lots of business owners lots of spiritual you know women mums like it's so so diverse but I share you know your book a lot um I've shared it on our Instagram on my personal Instagram I know that lots of our listeners have read it I did a podcast episode all on it so I know that like so many of our listeners are going to be like oh my god so yeah so happy here Bless you. Honestly, I can't tell you what that means. It's so helpful. So, so helpful. And I actually put one of the beautiful pictures you posted of you reading yeah. it in your bathrobe on my Instagram because it was such a great picture and it helps so, so much. And it's just had its one year anniversary. And really interestingly, it's being pushed out to more stores. So originally it was in like WH Smith, Manchester and like some of the big stores. But whenever I went into like Poole or my husband's hometown, Kings Lynn, like any kind of medium or small sized towns in England, never, ever saw it. Every single one we go in now, they have it. They have it in they have it in Barnstable in Devon, where I've just moved to Kings Lynn. Um, I've had people say they found it in WH Smith's in airports. And they're really small. Yeah. So it really helps. It really, really helps sharing and um, talking about it and promoting it because the biggest seller of books yeah. is word of mouth because mm-hmm. you trust it when people yeah. recommend something to you. You trust it. I mean, how much have I spent on coaches and programs because my friends have said it's really good? It's the yeah. same books. So it's so, so helpful. Thank you so much. No, I love it. You know, I, I feel as well like it's the type of book where once you've grown you know or like gone through something you can do it all again like I feel like if I was to go and do the steps again now which I absolutely am going to you know it's like I'm a totally different person from the time when I did it before it's just like it's you can just grow through every time so maybe for anyone who hasn't listened to my podcast or you know heard me talk about it maybe share a bit about the book yeah Oh my goodness, where to begin? So um, it started back in, well, actually it started before that, but 2018 was when I got serious about becoming a published author. And at the time I was working as a merchandiser, assistant merchandiser at Next Head Office. And I would walk around the hallways carrying these blouses to a photo shoot or whatever I was doing, living that fashion life feeling deeply unfulfilled, which I know is something you talk about a lot, that kind of old, looks good on the outside type of life, had achieved success in quotation marks, but something was very, very out of tune. And I had all these words coming in. I was on a spiritual journey outside of work. So I was doing all the personal development in my own time. I was doing yoga and Pilates and crystals and all that stuff. So it was my hobby. Spirituality was my hobby, but these words started coming in involuntarily it wasn't like I sat down and one day decided I wanted to write a book I also wasn't someone who always thought they were going to write a book my background is business I did an economics degree a marketing master's investment banking was my first career it wasn't like I was some a born writer someone that was always gonna write a book that wasn't me at all it was very much something that I 
was assigned and you know a lot of people will understand that if you're spiritual you have that sense of purpose and it's not necessarily something you choose like I have a friend who's a a well-known psychic in Norway she's been on tv programs and things and she's like for god's sake I have to be a psychic and for god's (laughs) sake I have to be in Norway because you know she doesn't feel like she chose it well on a soul level she chose it but as a human it's not her ideal situation because it's hard and she gets a lot of criticism and people think she's a fake and a fraud and all this but deep down she's like this is what I have to do this is my soul mission and it was the same with me in this book and then in 2018 at the end of the year I went to a Hay House event um, and from then, I basically wouldn't leave them alone. And I kept sending them proposals and applying and they kept hitting me back and being like, no, no, no. Um, and then eventually they said yes. And then the book came out. I got my publishing deal end of 2020. It came out beginning of 2022. Um, and it's basically for the person who feels out of tune and is looking to get more in tune so that's why I called it living in tune and the way that you do that is by starting to listen to your intuition recognize the signs and signals and little feelings that it's sending you which are all messages and by aligning with a sense of purpose because we all want to feel that feeling of purpose and it's not necessarily your job I know that you and I we have built careers that are based around our purpose but that's not going to be the case for everyone it can be being a parent or some way that you find a sense of purpose in your life so it's not that you always have to find it in your career you know sometimes you just need to make money you need to go to a job to make money and then find a sense of purpose outside of that but when you find a sense of purpose and meaning it gives you a much richer life a more fulfilling life and you start to feel much more abundant so that's why I created the book it's also a practical guide which um you know reading reviews and the messages that I get from people that's what people love about it the fact that it's practical it's step by step there's 21 tangible exercises you can do to listen to your intuition there's also 84 journaling questions so many questions um, that you can journal on and then also there's the work but you can download the free meditation so yeah very practical if you're someone who's like looking to connect with your intuition you know it's there you've had bad gut feelings before and they came true Um, you know something's not quite right like where your living isn't right your relationship isn't right but you don't know what to do instead then um, I think it's probably the book for you yeah very much like like you said what I scream from the rooftops now is like that was my life and I so didn't know what I was going to do instead and things like that so anyone who's listening you know it is even if you've just got that little niggle you know that like oh well I'm happy but could I be happier and yeah I um that's why I think it's a book what you can just read over and over and over again as well because of all the steps and all the journal and prompts like you will just we will have different answers based on our journey and what we've been through, won't we? And so would you say that is because of you, you had those feelings similarly, like what I just said, that the words was just coming. And I'm so surprised that you said, you know, you um, didn't always or think you was going to be an author. Cause even when I used to read your blog before you would come out, like it's, you would think you was, you was in, you know, you're a natural writer. Like I, I can't even write captions, you know, sometimes, but I actually want to write a book. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to write a book. It's literally on my vision board there from when we was coaching. It's the same vision board. And yeah, I'm just like, sometimes I it takes me about an hour to even write a caption because I just overthink. And then I'm like, oh, and I just have all of that back and forth. So yeah, like, did you, was you like that? <laughs> and then you... So this is such it. a good question. And basically, I just spent about 15 years of my life completely out of tune. Because if I go back to school days at GCSE, I got double A star in English, English literature and language, A star, religion and philosophy, A star. Like, that's what I should have done. But no, I was like maths, economics, like all this business stuff, because I was using my head. I was using logic. And I didn't grow up with money. Like my mum worked in the sorting office at Royal Mail. My stepdad was a lorry driver. So I didn't grow up with money and I wanted to have money. So then I made the logical decision. Okay, if I go, you know, I was lucky. I was always good at school. I enjoyed studying and exams and always did well. So 
I, I was like, okay, therefore I'm gonna try and make as much money as possible. In no way did I think about pleasure, joy, fulfillment, purpose. I just wanted to make money. So I was coming from a place of scarcity and lack. And when you start anything from that place, it never ends well because you're destined yeah. to be out of tune because you're starting off from a place and an intention of being completely out of tune. So I was going in completely the wrong direction. And actually, when I go back um, and I remember literally as clear as day, I was 16 and I wrote three lists because I was like, right, what am I going to do for A-level? Like I said, I was an all-rounder, so I could pretty much go what direction I wanted to go. And I wrote a list for being a vet, which was like the sciences. I wrote a list for finance. And then I wrote a list for just what I'd enjoy. And the subjects for A-level that were on the list of what I would enjoy was psychology, uh, religion and philosophy, English literature, English language. Wow. I didn't I didn't go for that one. But if I had, I mean, it, it's what I'm doing now. It's literally what I'm doing now. So I just basically went off off track for a few years, although I do believe that ultimately that was, you know, the highest path. It was meant to happen. If I'd been on the right track all along, I wouldn't have written yeah. Living in Tune because I never would have been out of tune or whatever to talk about. So I do believe it was right. Um, but yeah, I, it was always there. And yeah, I have always been um, you know, good with words. I'm a creative more so than like my husband. Um, he's actually just left his career, but he was an engineer for 10 years and he's maths, numbers, bloody loves a spreadsheet. Like it's his favorite thing in the whole world systems. Whereas I'm like colors, design, art, words. <laughs> I love all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, like English was something I was always naturally, naturally good at um, and aced all throughout school. But because I didn't know about this stuff, I didn't realize, you know, I talk about in the book, one of the things that can guide you towards your purpose is what you're naturally good at. Mm -hmm. And I was always naturally good. at it. it was easy peasy. And for some reason, I thought I had to follow a hard path to get somewhere instead of just aligning with what was the easiest, what I was the best at, what I enjoyed. I was like, no, not going to do that. I'm going to do the hard thing that I don't like. Yeah. So, um, Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that's because like we associate with being wealthy or you know successful that it has to be hard you know Absolutely. it has to be difficult money doesn't come easy yeah. and it's I feel like when people say they're living their best life in their 20s I actually feel like I've been living my best life in my 30s Absolutely. because it's like I know myself on a deeper level like I know what my purpose is I know what my values are and it's like great if you do know those things in your 20s but I don't think most people do and you do go for either the the career that like looks good sounds good I was even catching up with my sister Melanie yesterday and I was like you know I've got so many young like young girls in our family like my sisters have got daughters and like one of them said the other day about going on Love Island and I was just like absolutely not and my sister Mel was like I remember when you used to say you wanted to be a footballer's wife and I was like oh my god it's like no we really need to like empower you know and it's like oh my god it's like either a super easy route like I'll get famous by just going on tv and making money and that is just not the case I've met so many people from that show and it's like you know I don't even want to go down that route but you know what I mean it's like it's not guaranteed it can be over in a flash or we go down the super hard route and then it's like we can forget our like womanhood femininity pleasure joy fun and I just feel like I hope everyone is now starting to come awake that we can go through the path, you know, in the middle that is like feels good rather than just is struggle and looks good. And yeah, definitely. I think it would be really interesting to see what happens with the generation underneath us, mm -hmm. because obviously I think we're a similar age and we yeah. didn't have, you know, Instagram and things like that till kind of later on. Whereas my niece is seven and she's obsessed with TikTok. Like she's always on it. We didn't have access to the information that the younger generation has now. And they're learning about manifesting. They're learning about gratitude and energy and positive thinking and all of that stuff. So I hope it will be a really positive shift for them. But yeah, I totally resonate because I have just been traveling for a year and a half. So all of my stuff was in two storage units. And I've literally been in my new house for two weeks. And I spent the whole first week just unpacking, finding a place for everything and sorting through everything. So I've been away from it for so long that I didn't even recognize it. We'd literally be like, oh my yeah. God, do you remember this? Like, forgot <laughs> I even had it. 
And so much of it was like going out dresses and heels that I hadn't, you know, it's not that I was still using them a year and a half ago, but they were still in my wardrobe. Um, and when I actually sorted through it, I got rid of so many of my party dresses. So Oxfam now has a full rail of all of these like party dresses, these short little tight things, um, because I'm the same as you. My whole life was what outfit am I going to get from ASOS to go out at the weekend and then uploading the pictures. And it was just this cycle which was so fun at the time. Yeah. But like you said, being in your 30s, my God, a hangover is like, is not just a one day event anymore. So, um, and also now knowing about intuition, I say in the book, that's one of the things that actually blocks your intuition. Alcohol knocks it out for days. So I'm so careful now, you know, I don't drink a lot, but even one glass of wine, if I've got a coaching call the next day, I can't, I can't do any alcohol the day before because I won't be able to get anything through. It really throws you off. Same with being really stressed, really anxious, um, super, super busy. If you're in your head all the time, all that stuff just Mm -hmm. cuts it off. Um, So then I look back at my twenties and I'm like, well, no wonder I wasn't in tune because I couldn't hear my intuition because I was so busy. I was drunk and either drunk or hungover (laughs) all the time. Um, And I just didn't have the space. I wasn't connecting with myself, especially in my early twenties. It all started to become apparent later on. Um, But yeah, I look back, I'm like, yeah, there was no hope. So that's why we do this work now to try and make that path a little bit easier for other people, hopefully. No, absolutely. And I think that was when I first heard your voice, you was on Kim Mella's podcast. And I was just like, um, this is like you're talking to me. Like I I think I DM'd you straight away, like, hello, do you do one-on-one coaching? Like literally saved my life. And I think you said, I've got somebody waiting, you know, who I'm waiting to see if they're a yes or no. And I was like, okay, no problem. I've joined your waiting list. Like this is my like really like you know showing the desire I guess now when I look back but I think this is what you was talking about you know on the podcast of not living in tune and then feeling and and I was just like that is exactly how I feel and so many you know of us feel even in your 30s I have surprisingly so many clients that are mums and I'm just like I don't know how this has happened because I really thought that I would really attract like women who are like me or are me I've got so many mums and it's like but they it's the same feeling you know of not feeling in tune with who they was before and now they're a mum and it's like I'm even more out of tune it's like so it's an even deeper level but we did end up coaching I think I messaged again like hi is that person like said if they are coaching with you or not because I'm really eager and you I think you're right of it like I've looked at your Instagram and like I had all jazzy nails and stuff at the time and you're like I think we'll really get on and I was just so happy I think I didn't sleep the night before we started I was like um I I think (laughs) I emailed you like I haven't even slept I feel like it's Christmas day and you were like hi day one of kitchen here's your workbook and I was like expecting us to have like a call and I was like oh just totally like you know so you know when you just find your person and it's everything is just so like overwhelming (laughs) I don't know if I've actually told you this before but yeah I was literally like couldn't sleep nothing because I was just so excited to work with you (laughs) bless you I do remember that email I remember you saying it was like Christmas and I was like oh my god I love you (laughs) Uh, that was such a transformational journey but I guess for anybody listening like the work that you do you know like share because obviously you've gone from not living in tune then all of this you know work that you've done on yourself but even before the book I mean you was obviously working on it for how many years but going from then the corporate world not living in tune to now like what was that transition like oh my goodness so I did another podcast interview yesterday and I basically was like yeah worked in finance worked in fashion I'll just fast forward to today because there were so many little steps so I'll go through those little steps that I usually just fast forward through because it really was a process and we like to think that we oh you find your purpose you find what you're going to do and then overnight you can make that change that is not the physical world that we're in you, you know you need to have money you need to prepare yeah. to be able to make that transition so 
I moved from finance into fashion. Then, as I said, you know, that's kind of where I started this episode. I was working in fashion, the word started coming in. I also happened to sit next to my boss, who was a triathlete. So very faithful. And he recommended books to me. And really, I was already on a spiritual path. He got me into the personal development side of it, the masculine side of it. And he was recommending books to me. And one of those books was a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it's quite a simple book, like The Secret, but it's basically saying you're never going to get rich if you just work in a job, save a pension and retire. And you're never going to have freedom that way. And that was a huge light bulb moment for me. And then with my husband, we started to basically strategize. We both felt the same way. We actually got the book out of Leicester Library, which is so funny to like look back on now that we get books out of the library just to like save money. Um, So I don't actually have a physical copy. I need to get one. But um, that was a huge like light bulb moment for us. We basically started to plan together. Okay, how can we make this work? I had to stay in that job for another year. It got really, really bad at the end. I moved to uh, another team and it was like the busiest team in the company. The people were just horrible. It was just really not good at the end. And that often happens at the end of a phase. It gets worse and worse and worse because you're just being pushed out of it. If you don't step out of it in, you know, out of your own choice, it gets worse and worse and worse. So you have no choice. And it just got so, so bad. And I handed in my notice, was driving out of the head office, had two car accidents on the way home. Bearing in mind, it was a five mile drive. It took forever because of the traffic, but I had a little purple Fiat 500 and I was driving out. It was January and it was icy. And I had just driven out of the car park and I was still outside the building, stuck completely still. And this Mercedes drove into the back of me I flew out of my seat, got whiplash, which I was then being treated for for months after, um, and rang, pulled over to the side of the road, um, like into a little cul-de-sac, called my husband. He came out to get me in his car, and I was totally right in the situation. My intuition said, like, let's leave the Fiat there. You know, they can come and collect it. We'll just go home in your car. We'll sort it out tomorrow. Look, all this traffic, it's Friday night. You know, all this cars everywhere and he was like no no I'll you drive the car like and then I'll drive that and I was like okay fine so I drove his car home and he drove my Fiat which had been rear-ended home so I was then driving his car and then there was another accident um, which also wasn't my fault because this car came speeding down the wrong way I don't know he must have been on something or running from the police I don't know but between two lanes of traffic this car drove between the two lanes like full speed he was hitting people's wing mirrors um, and you know just caused there was glass everywhere and I skidded like lightly into the back of someone else and it was like one of the hardest days of my whole life and then I got home my entire family were coming up that weekend for my mom's birthday like my brother's family my mum my stepdad my sister's family and her kids were all coming up to the house and I spent the whole night on the phone to the insurance companies and then I ended up having to go to A&E later that night because I my back completely went. I couldn't turn my head because the whiplash. And that was all after I handed in my notice to go and become an entrepreneur. So big what the F moment. You know, I've taken a leap, trusted myself, and then all this crap happens. I actually ended up getting a payout for the first accident because I was so badly injured, which actually really helped. It was a few thousand pounds. So, I mean, that was a good thing. Um, (laughs) Oh my God, I know. And then I, for like three months, I was unemployed. So I was doing clinical trials. So if anyone doesn't know what they are, it's part of the medicine testing process where you basically stay in a clinical unit. Um, They're all safe. Like this is like the final, final stages, a very small dose. It's actually very safe. It just sounds scary. But again, you get paid like thousands of pounds to get your blood taken three times a day to stay in this unit. And I would do that for money. <laughs> and this is like all the early stages of yeah. entrepreneurship. Um, and then I say in the book that was like Feb, I was an unemployed till May. And that May I did a master's and my old head of course would email me every year and he'd say, hi, Liz, um, would you mind coming down and giving a guest lecture on buying and merchandising? And every single year I'd reply and be like, no, because 
I, you know, I was living a few hours away, so I wasn't going to drive home, take a day off from work, like 21 days holiday or whatever the allowance was, take a day off from work, drive three hours down to do public speaking, scariest thing in the world, and then drive back. Like, no, clearly not. But then this time, which was the third time, I wasn't working. And I was actually going home to Poole, which is where I grew up, for my birthday weekend, which was kind of en route. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I said, yes, still terrified. Gave this guest lecture all about buying and merchandising, what it's like, how to get into it. And then at the end of it, he said, that was really good. Do you want a job? And I was like, uh, okay. And it ended up being the most insanely perfect job. It was part-time, 40 pounds an hour, marking, doing seminars, lecturing at my university. Um, and I was, ba- I was replacing my assistant merchandiser salary with a quarter of the hours, a third of the hours, because it was 40 pounds an hour to do this lecturing job. Yeah. Um, so it was so, so perfect and just so divinely aligned. But I think from that story, you can tell there were definitely points where I didn't know what was happening. It didn't seem to be going right at all. I took the leap. I didn't immediately get caught by the universe. And it was like so, so perfect. But from there, I mean, that was the May before I went to that Hay House event in October. Um, So I I was just working at that job at the university. um, And that also helped with my public speaking because I was leading groups and seminars and teaching. Um, So that really helped me get over my fear of public speaking. And then I started blogging and trying to get a book deal and everything grew from there. And then beginning of 2020, I started offering tarot readings. Then I added one-to-one coaching. Now I do a lot of groups. I have group programs. I recently just um, got my spiritual coaching program certified. So you become a spiritual coach certified. Um, And then I have a membership and all these other things. But yeah, I've been doing it for quite a few years. It definitely required some sacrifice. Um, But here I am today. (laughs) Wow, incredible story. Like, I a few things was coming up as you were speaking like when you handed in your notice then like first of all and the you know those two car crashes happened like what is your because you are so in tune and you know very um you know we believe things are happening to teach us you know something or like to as a sign and and I know if I was you in that situation I would be like I've made the wrong decision like this is a sign to show me that like that that I shouldn't have just handed my notice in you know and it's like what was you feeling then you know what was was you yeah and like because I am just so like I know that that's even probably now like I would be like that's a sign I've made the wrong choice yeah I also believe the same as you I do believe that everything happens for a reason um so it's so funny you've asked me this because this is literally the post I'm going to write tonight, which oh is before an expansion, there is a contraction. So I think I was about to go into a big expansion, like really aligning with my soul's work, my passion, what I'm best at, what I enjoy. And there's like a contraction that happens before you go boom. And I think that's what happened. But at no point did I doubt myself, because like I said, it was so terrible in every way. It was awful that I I was not meant to stay there. And I never doubt, you know, when I'm really sure of a decision, at no point did I think, oh, I wasn't meant to hand in my notice because it was so awful that I knew I was. Um, and I think part of it was the money as well that I got from the car accident that was helpful I was able to buy my MacBook and I'd only ever had crappy like 200 pound computers that didn't work and couldn't yeah. process video and stuff like that um, so I think part of it was the money and I think part of it was just this contraction that happens before you expand um, which often happens now I've said it like you'll notice it um, I yeah. saw someone else write a post about it just the other day that they said they invested in a massive mastermind that was $45,000. And as they did that, they were like, woohoo. And then a bunch of their clients like stopped paying or cut off with them. And they had this contraction because they'd left oh. out and then it's like, you come back in and then you go out again. It's like one step backwards and then you stay, take like two, three steps forward. Yeah. Wow. And now that you're saying this, I'm starting like, like, you know, and I'm deep into the work even, but you know, it doesn't end, does it? Where now the cogs are sort of turning in my mind where I was just 
two days ago on Sunday, I was talking to, uh, I held a women's circle facilitator day and I was saying about how when I moved back from Dubai and I knew, you know, I'd been to see a psychic and she told me like to have all contracts in place and all these things. And I, I did, but I didn't seek legal advice. And the moment that I moved to Manchester, like basically I'd moved home from Dubai. I was spending some time with my mom and dad deciding if I'm going to stay or my go back to my apartment in Dubai. I decided to move to Manchester. I got rash all over my legs, like to the point where like it was getting worse progressively every single day where I was in work one day and I couldn't even bend my fingers because the rash on my hands were so swollen. And I was like, oh, maybe they had a cat before because I'm allergic to cats, maybe this, maybe that. And they did actually say when I went to the hospital, you know, I think it's dander and house dust and all of these things. Then like, so I was spending like time back at my mum and dad's again, a tire burst when I was driving on the motorway and I would literally span. And I was just like, why is all these things happening? And at that time I was like, I don't think I'm meant to live, you know, in Manchester. Obviously, yeah, like we know how the story went when I no longer live in Manchester anymore, but it took a good three years to actually escape from there. But I just think, never underestimate what these things are that are happening to us would you agree like I do firmly believe everything happens for the reason but just getting a wheat allergy out of like nowhere you know the tire like bursting and there were so many other things too like I would book appointments and then um oh something would happen where like just out of every single train my one would be the one that was cancelled and I was going to see like you know a past life progressionist or something I'd be like it's like the universe doesn't want me to be healed and know like my path and now when I look back I'm like I did learn a lot but it was it was so hard why did you have to take me on such a horrible journey (laughs) definitely and I think kind of looking back now the way I see it is that I when we step into fear when we step into the unknown and we do something new and we do something brave there's always a part of us that has resistance to it and I think events like my car crashes for example I think that may have been a reflection of the part of me that was actually afraid to move forward I don't think it was the universe saying you know you shouldn't do this work because I absolutely am and she was like I absolutely was meant to leave that job so at no point did I think oh this must mean it's wrong Um, but I still couldn't figure out why and then looking back I now realize there's always this little contraction and I think that contraction comes from our own resistance or our own fear pulling us back before we then release and get even bigger no makes sense and I've seen an analogy on um like social media before where it's like an arrow you know being pulled back yes exactly that exactly that yeah Yeah. so what I would like to discuss which I've been so inspired by you know your recent like content and things it's like your whole rebrand like really just been so inspired by that and I think I even messaged you didn't I um because yeah we can then be so in tune and then be like we're in our purpose but then totally want to like what, what would you call it like an up level or you know like still going in one direction and then we found our purpose but we want to go deeper you know because I think there's so many women in our sisterhood who are at that point you know it's like do I go bigger do I go left right do I collaborate and I think like yeah touching on your how you've rebranded would be super informative for me as well as well as our sisterhood (laughs) I love this so I'm actually gonna do a one-off paid masterclass called brand awakening because this is what I'd call it I'd call it a brand awakening and with my work I like to do intuitive branding because your brand is an expression of your soul's work obviously when you're doing spiritual work you want it to be super energetically powerful super in tune and as I said earlier my background is marketing branding that's what I taught at, at the university so I know that kind of strategic logical stuff but with everything I know now about energy and intuition when you combine those two things you can make it energetically potent feel really good aligned you're super behind it and then you add the strategy as well Um, but I love this question because I did have a big rebrand nearly a year ago it was in July um, which is coming around quick so it's actually ages ago but it feels like just yesterday um, and it was huge like when I look back at my old content um, or just anything before that rebrand it's like a totally different person 
And I was in, because I was traveling at the time, and then I spent three weeks in Greece and I was in Santorini and then Mykonos. My goodness, what powerful lands. And it was there that this rebrand happens. And what often happens when you're giving birth to something like a rebrand or like a new program or like a book is you have this urge to retreat. And I just couldn't post on Instagram for the life of me, like nothing was coming through. I just really wanted to pull back, you know, I'd go to connect with my audience and I just was like, this doesn't feel right. I just really wanted to retreat. And I was birthing this whole new rebrand, which for me can be summarized with Liz Roberta Red. And it's basically making everything red. <laughs> and I, when I announced the rebrand, I told this story about how I would save red for special occasions. And I'd be like, oh no, I, you know, I can't wear too much red or I'd wear it as like an evening dress to a special event. And everyone would be like, oh wow. And give me loads of compliments. And I felt amazing, but I felt like it was something I couldn't wear all the time and I couldn't use all the time. It's like this special thing. So then stepping into my next level was like, no, I want to be special all the time. Like, <laughs> I want to feel that good all the time. Yeah. Um, so that was where Liz Roberta Red was born. And just when I stepped into that, you know, it meant changing a lot of my wardrobe and I wear red lipstick all the time. And um, yeah, everything just basically turned red and uh, and it just feels so, so good. And it's one of those things which I don't know, until you've experienced it can sound like oh, it's just a color. And for me, it's a color. For you, it might be your brand name. It might be a whole new brand name, but it's just stepping into that absolute power where you're not holding back. You're fully authentic. You're not afraid to be seen and you want to be seen in a big, big way. It's like embodying more boldness and you let go of this kind of like little girl energy where you're playing it safe. It's very nice. It's very sweet, very cute. And then being like, boom, like I'm here. And if you don't like it, then you're not for me. But it's like expressing yourself in a big, big way. And you said earlier about how we do fall out of tune. It's not like you get into into tune and then you stay there forever. You know, as we know about relationships, you can have an amazing relationship, but then it's, you know, then it comes to an end. It doesn't mean that just because something is right, same with houses, same with where you're living, it's great for a bit. And then it's time to move on to something else. So the same thing can happen with our branding. Um, and that was some of the best advice Hay House ever gave me was to make your Instagram handles and website, if you're an author, your name. And I'm like, God, that was the best advice because I would have had so many different names if I hadn't done that. Whereas because it's lizroberta.com, it's like whatever transitions I go through, it will always be lizroberta.com. Um, but the branding there has changed. It's all very warm feels very very rich to me very abundant strong powerful like an authentic embodiment of who I am now um so yeah I love rebranding and it's so different for every person but it's just about aligning the way you're expressing your marketing and your company message with who you are at this new elevated level that you've gone to personally because we can outgrow our branding we can outgrow our pricing our offers our business um, and then they start to feel like they're not in tune anymore. And then they start to lose power because we're not fully behind them. So we're not sending full energy behind them. They become weaker and they don't feel good. We don't enjoy it. So then we need to elevate our pricing offers, branding, all the things to where we are now. And as you keep going through that process, your company gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The energy gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So um, yeah, there's always time for a rebrand and, you know, and it feeds through so many things as well. I scroll down my Instagram and I've had so many different like branding just on Instagram. Yeah. So um, yeah, I love it. Why, what are you thinking in terms of rebranding? What are you feeling? I don't really have one. That's what, it, you know, when I saw yours, I was just like where you said then, you know, it's some, for some, it's just a color like yours, even though it was like Liz Roberta Red. It was like the flames, you know, the sexiness, the passion. Like it was, even though, yeah, it's like the color red. It was just such a, like you just said, it was like, he just like, was like, I'm here. You know, and, and I can't believe it was July last year because I'm like, <laughs> I must have been thinking of it since July last year as well then to do mine. And yeah, it's like be coached, I guess, just doesn't have, you know, like a identity as such. Uh, my social sister very much does which is like you know quite neutral and like 
I don't want to say safe it's like the brand just is that like really neutral vibe but I'm yeah so I'm in that like period of what is be coached and now you've said about being like it should be your name I'm like maybe that's why I can't connect with it you know because it should just be me it should just be a representation of me and then it will come so yeah thank you for that little nugget (laughs) (laughs) so you touched on there again about going to the hay house party like how did that come about and yeah I I've heard before your story and you know like in the book about sending and then they say no and then you send again and they like how was that whole process you know love like feeling rejected and but trusting you know that it will happen one day so yeah like I think that is such such strength but I guess you knew that it would it would happen (laughs) definitely definitely knew um and I guess now looking back on it I guess maybe I'm lucky that I always have but just absolutely trusted when I feel like something is what I you know what I'm being given as a divine assignment or I absolutely have to leave that job at no point am I like oh should I shouldn't I I know very clearly from how I feel about it if it's a yes or a no it's harder with like small decisions like if I'm in a supermarket choosing between two cards I struggle but with big life things like that um it's very very obvious so I guess maybe I'm lucky in that way but yeah, it was so hard. And it's interesting because I'm actually just about to start my second proposal because you have to write a proposal before you do the book, which is a huge document. You have to write 10,000 words of the book as the sample yeah. chapters. You have to do a whole business plan, basically competitive analysis, uh, chapter summaries, uh, marketing plan, PR plan. Well, like it's, it's a massive, massive, massive document. I'm just about to start it for my second book and organize it all. And I I have quite a bit of fear around it because it's like residual trauma from the pain of getting rejected. And the worst part about it was I'd like get the signs. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to be Hay House. So I was like, oh man, it's going to be Hay House. This is awesome. And then they'd reject me. And I was so confused because it was like I was being led there and I was so certain of it. And then they kept kicking me back. Um, and I, I just keep trying and trying and trying because I just really trust it. And there's definitely something to be said for in the physical world as well, just continually trying and not giving up and having that resilience. Um, and eventually they did say yes, but it was really hard and really painful. But it's a very common story. I mean, J.K. Rowling was rejected 13 times or something. Stephen King. It's very common for authors. And actually mine, I think mine was third time lucky. So it's actually not bad at all. Not bad bad. at all. It just felt so bad. Um, And I also rewrote it and like redid it. So it was like a lot of work. They were three separate titles, three separate concepts that I submit to them. Um, So it was quite a bit of work. But um, yeah, it was it was definitely a tricky one. There is the option to self-publish as well. But Mm -hmm. I I knew I wasn't meant to. I knew I was going to be with Hay House because I just had so many synchronicities and um, things line up that was the universe being like Hay House, Hay House, Hay House. So I knew it had to be them. And I just had to keep going. And it worked. So for anyone who doesn't know what Hay House is, they are like the number one like personal development and like spiritual publishers, aren't they? Yeah, it says on the website, the world's number one, I can't remember the wording they use, yeah, self-help publishing. And if you've heard of any big authors like Gabby Bernstein, Wayne Dyer, um, basically the biggest self-help authors are all under Hay House. Yeah. So did you know going to the party that like you wanted Hay House or was that like the start of the journey like when you went or how did you even get to go to Hay House party (laughs) so it wasn't a party so now I'm an author I get to go to their parties (laughs) (laughs) I get to go to the Christmas party and things but no before you're an author um it was a workshop that they did which you paid to go to so it was their writer's workshop and I drove up to I actually went twice again didn't give up and they even said they were like you know don't bother coming again Um, I can't remember the reason they gave 
but I was like screw it I'm going again so then the next year I went again and they were different places one was in Bristol one was in Birmingham and I'd like book a hotel and I still got friends from those events as well like that's what's great about in-person events I know you're you do a lot of in-person events and it's great to meet people and friends that I met there I still am really good friends with today um so yeah it was a paid event that I went to with them okay and then from then it well you already knew from going to them events I want to be published by Hay House and then all the synchronicities come but that's so interesting that you wrote three completely different books so was that over a long period of time yeah this is uh 2018 to the end of 2020 yeah, wow so two years so perseverance is key here for anyone who's listening that wants to write a book myself included wow and now you're working on book number two oh my god congrats about two about two but yeah I'm I'm still very scared of getting rejected um because it's just such a long process and I said to my husband I was like man I'm so excited to write another book but when I actually think back to all the stuff I've just told you about how long it takes and even when I got the book deal we had multiple meetings couldn't decide on the title had to go on a call one-to-one with the CEO like didn't like the book like there was so much wow. back and forth and having to fight for what I felt was right and compromise and all that and I'm like oh man can I really do all of this again obviously it's worth it in the end and I love writing the book it's the most like transcendent thing my favorite thing in the whole world to do but um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I always say that being an author is a get rich slow scheme. It's like the slowest way <laughs> of making money. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's really good. Like to give you an idea, as I said, I started in 2018. Now we're in spring of 2023 and I've only just paid off my advance and started getting paid from them. Wow. Yeah. Slow as they come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what else are you so you touched on like your programs and your membership and everything like that but for anyone who's listening who is like like me when I heard you on Kimbella's podcast I was like I need to speak to this woman like what is it that you like offer and and do because I know like when I was so drawn to you like I wanted to focus on spirituality but also business and I'd never heard anybody say you know and combining them two things before um unless I was just like you know it's fallen on deaf ears because I was destined to work with you I don't know but yeah I think um the combination of the two is so unique you know so and, and so many of our listeners are into both spirituality and business you know because they are our community they are all on some sort of personal development journey and yet I think it will be super, um, yeah, beneficial for them to hear, you know, how you can combine the two. It doesn't mean that you have, to, and I think you kind of touched on it as well at the start, you know, being corporate and then not following the joy and the fun. Like we can have both, can't we? We can have it all. Like you've also got a husband, you know, you've also just spent, what, 18 months traveling around. It's like breaking all the norms of that. Like you can be business and spiritual. You can like, be married and also still travel solo for a year and a half like I am so inspired by you all the time and they're just some of the things that inspire me so yeah I think um touching on that and sharing how like we don't have to conform and yeah it would be super inspirational yeah so like you said at the beginning I say I'm a spiritual life and business coach and I love business I always have ever since I was younger I was a little entrepreneur I used to do nail art on my friend's nails at schools and draw on them with gel pen and then paint over them with clear nail varnish and charge them like 5p I used to play flute in the street and have my little flute case open in my school uniform like I was a little hustler always 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 wanted to make my own money um so I was like born entrepreneur and then obviously I studied business later on but it was when I lived in Glastonbury it was very very um a very formative time for me I lived in Glastonbury for a year and a half and that was actually where I did my proposal and where I got my book deal uh I just left when I got my book deal um but it was very formative and when I was there I was still lecturing at the time so I was like working in marketing 
very much on my spiritual path. And in my business, I was offering paid tarot readings. So I've always had the two alongside each other, the spiritual and doing business together. But when I was in Glastonbury, I'd go to a lot of events and spiritual circles and just people had no idea about business. They didn't know how to monetize it. They weren't doing, you know, the sign up process. I'd be like, what on earth are they doing? Like this could be so much more efficient. They'd hand around a scrap of paper and a pencil and be like, oh, put your email address on here. And I was just like, what is going on? Does it have to be like this? So that was really formative actually when I started my business. And I really started with the business coaching for spiritual people because I was so spiritual, but I saw that was something people really wanted help with. And people who'd gone really into their what we call feminine energy, and they were completely rejecting the masculine and not seeing how having systems and structures and all that stuff could actually really help them to do their work in the world that they love and make it easier and help them to bring more people in. So it was just combining the marketing and the business that I naturally have a passion for, always have, and entrepreneurship with my love for spirituality and it says on my Instagram by energy plus entrepreneurship and that's literally what I do that's like the two sides of the coin um and I I say in the book as well how I that was really confusing it was really hard for me because I didn't know where I fit and obviously I'd been in the business world I'd been investment banking and then a merchandiser I've been in the business world. I was like, oh, I'm way too like spiritual for this. Moved to Glastonbury, did my tarot readings, my angel card readings, did all the circles. With, and then I still felt out of place. And I felt like I was some corporate city person compared to all these people. So I still felt out of place. And I was so lost. And I was like, well, wh- where the hell do I belong? Like, I don't belong in either of these two worlds. And I asked the universe for a sign and it actually came to me. My my good friend, Rachel Alice, she posted a picture on her uh, Instagram feed of a card. And I can't remember the exact wording. It's in the book, but it basically said to honor both sides of yourself and make a new path. And I realized I was meant to walk that middle path and be the only one who was combining those two things and bringing them together to actually do something new. And I find a lot of my work, I'll work with either corporate people who want to have more of that spiritual side, or I'll work with really spiritual people who want to have more of that business side. So yeah, very much somewhere in between. I love both sides, but I think my approach is quite grounded because I'm able to balance both of them yeah no definitely and and when you were speaking then as well it kind of came up in our women's circle facilitator training on Sunday where there was you know can this be a career you know can you make like good money from this will I eventually be able to leave my job from this and it's like I think it's definitely changing now but I know that when I first started going to circles and things it was like you know give a donation you know, like it was like almost if you are helping people, it should be for free or like give what you can. And then it's like, no, this is it needs to be, you know, an energetic exchange. I don't know the right way to articulate it. Like even on Sunday, I was like, you can be wealthy from this. This can be your career. It doesn't need to be something you do on the side from your job if you don't want it to. But I think there's definitely still breaking through that stigma that like, corporate is you know money and then having like a spiritual business is is like your side hustle your hobby and you don't really earn money from it because you're helping people and it's definitely changed even in just the three years since I've been going to circles and things but it was all about donation and things you know in the in the beginning or you see like people doing tarot and you know you you give a donation and I was just like this is literally draining this person of their energy it takes so much, you know, like time they've, they've been learning about it for years. Like it, it is a, it is a business. It is a trade. Like, well, how would you articulate it in terms of like, you know, when people think that it's not a business or, you know, it's not a career, obviously coaching is completely different, but even in just in terms of holding circles, doing tarot and, you know, following those things that you really do enjoy. Yeah. 
Such a great question, because this is huge in the spiritual world. And you see it, other people externally from the spiritual community, they criticize, oh, you shouldn't be charging for this, da, 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 which is so ridiculous and so twisted. And I have a whole money healing program, which the like the tagline is heal your relationship with money for this reason. Um, but what I will say is that when people pay, they pay attention. And it makes me chuckle when people think it should all be free because you know, as I said, I've been doing this a few years. I can see in my system, I use Kajabi. I have a free course um, that I give out to people who sign up on my email list and they can do this free course. I obviously have lots of paid offers at various price points. I can see the completion rates. And when I go in on the free program, the vast majority of people have like never even used it. There is 0% completion. Whereas the higher and higher and higher up I go in my price architecture, those people are turning up to calls. Those people are completing the programs. They're doing the work because they have invested into it and they care about it. People don't care that much about free stuff. Now, it's important to have free stuff because, you know, listen to a podcast or having that free training, it gets people into your world and you get so much information from it. You know, we, I think we all start in business. I know I did doing all the free trainings because you want to learn, but you don't have the funds available yet. So yeah. there is a place for the free stuff, but that's one layer of your business. And you can't run everything from that place because you actually find that people have the biggest transformations when they actually put more of themselves into it and they're investing a bit more money and it makes you so much more determined to make it work to get a return mm. so um it, it makes me chuckle because it's I just see it's quite naive because I literally have the data I literally have the statistics and yeah. I can see see the difference in price and what that actually does for people's results you know people sign up to a free course and just don't even don't even really care so they don't get anything out of it they don't even do it yeah. So it's important for the other people, you know, if you want to be benevolent, then put a price tag on it to make sure people actually do it, yeah. is what I'd say. No, I agree, you know, so much and you articulated it so well, because it's like one of them where it's like, really? Is people, you know, do people really think that? And then it's like, yeah, you know, they do. And it's, it's, it's our job, you know, it's our, when you follow, it's almost like if you follow like your passion and your purpose that it, it's, it's sort of like a bit more trivial than going to a job. I know it's changed so much because of so much of us work at home, you know, from the pandemic, but even now, like I know when people, when you presume people work from home, it's like less than, you know, somebody getting and doing a commute and, I don't know I I hope the world well I I can see it is you know changing so much where these is you can see that this is a career you know anyone who's listening to this who is like I would love to hold circles you know I want to do tarot and become a coach like is there any sort of advice that you would give anyone who's listening to this who has been you know where we was and they want to get to where you are now yeah I'd say learn and explore. When I was working, I started getting up an hour earlier. So they had an hour in the morning and I would spend that hour in the morning doing free masterclasses, free trainings. I'd sign up for the odd paid thing as well. I was doing YouTube videos. I was trying to open my third eye. I was learning about entrepreneurship. And by learning about all these different things, that gave me the foundation to actually become an entrepreneur. Because there's so much to learn. You have to make a website. And, you know, I started at zero. So I didn't pay someone to do my website. I made my own website. And, um, you know, you have to do your website. You have to learn how to actually sell on social media because it's not just posting pictures of your cats. You actually have to learn about copywriting and marketing and selling. You have to learn about um, building an email list and how to reach people, how to get people to buy. It's a whole set of skills on the entrepreneurship side. And then obviously you want to learn about energy manifesting. You want to become an expert in something, even though I'd read tarot since I was 14 for like friends and family when I decided to offer paid readings I bought four tarot books and read them all cover to cover just to like fill any gaps in my knowledge so I was ready to pay um and I think that's good advice as well is that I had been blogging to try and get a book deal and I wasn't getting paid I was working my job so that was okay but I was like I need to start actually you know it's not a business till you're getting paid from it it's a brand until that point you're building a brand but I wasn't building the business which is actually bringing money in so then I was like okay what can I do right now that I can get paid for and I was like I can I know how to read tarot 
So then I did that and then I did my coaching certification. There's some stuff, you know, Reiki, for example, I'm trained in Reiki, but that stuff takes time and you have to invest some money. But in that moment, I knew I could read tarot. So then I was like, okay, this is the first thing that I can do paid. I also knew I could do business coaching because I was lecturing in marketing and branding. So I knew that I could do that. So I think at the very beginning, just think what skills do you already have? What are you already trained in? What can you already apply an example of this is I had a coaching client who was a midwife and so she was also a survivor of sexual trauma so what she did was she started using her skills in nurturing and holding space for women to do survivor circles and to hold coaching sessions and really using her energy knowing how to nurture women as they're giving birth you know going through trauma she used that energy to start holding space for women so what skills do you already have it may not necessarily even be from your career for example I have another client who um, she was already a life coach but she realized her big passion is motherhood because she is a mother of two young children. And she really wanted to talk more about being an entrepreneur working from home. Her husband's out at work all day. She's on Zoom calls with her one-year-old. And so she wants to work with mothers and now she works with mothers. So just think about what skills you have right now that you can already help with at this point in time. You can start your business from there and then you always have permission to pivot. You can change, you can add things. Um, you know, I got to a point when I was offering paid tarot readings and at the end when I saw an, an order come in from my website, I was like, oh, oh man. And that's when it's time to change. Same with when I had just been traveling for a year and a half. My last two stops, I did a month in, month in um, Cyprus and a month in Portugal. Both times, oh, I've got to go to Cyprus. Oh, I've got to go to Portugal. Ridiculous. But it's because I'd done it. For, I'd been traveling so long. I, you know, I wasn't in it anymore. It had fallen out of tune. So you have the option to change. So just start with something and then it will all grow and develop and you can evolve and shift from there. So just explore, tune into what you can already do. Um, and then it will grow and shift over time. It's not going to be perfect straight away. Wow. Such amazing, amazing. Yeah. Like I'm definitely going to be listening to this podcast back. Thank you so much. But yeah, such, such amazing advice. And I know that it's, it's okay to pivot, you know, like, especially from witnessing how much you have like changed your branding and things it gives others the permission to also know and feel that it's okay you know to do that and I will definitely be I yeah even just from this call like I actually just feel like we're just on a call just me and you just having a chat as always but yeah I am um, so many like amazing amazing advice well advice that you have just given there how I always like to end our guest episodes is asking because, you know, my social sister, everything that we do is from us growing up in a sisterhood, you know, now welcoming women into our sisterhood. So I really like to end on the note of like, what does sisterhood mean to you? And, you know, how do you embody or how do you have sisterhood, you know, in your life? I love this question because female connection is very very important to me the secondary school that I went to was actually a girls school it was a girls grammar and when I met my husband who was from Norfolk I grew up in Dorset when he first met me he assumed I'd grown up with money because I went to a girls grammar school but there were two places left in England where the grammar schools hadn't been made private and by some complete blessing, I was in Hull, which is one of those places. So I got to go to a girl's school for free for secondary school, which was so amazing. Um, and it's funny because everyone says, oh, wasn't it really bitchy? I had the best time. I loved secondary school. Why did I love it? It was all girls. And my experience of one, you know, obviously everyone's going to have a different experience. My experience was really, really positive. It was like a big community. I had a big friendship group. But even outside of that, just your whole class, your whole year, everyone got along. You know, it was really friendly because you all connected with the fact that you were female. So I absolutely love sisterhood. I've always had big groups of female friends and you, know, you see the memes where it's like there's no connection, like finding someone in a club toilet. Like when you find that woman, like you're drunk on a night out and you're just the best friends. Um, I just think sisterhood to me is connection, understanding, support. And it amazes me how when you meet women, even for the first time, you go deep. 
I yeah. went on a day out with my husband's friends and it was like they met they were from university and then all the plus ones came so I'd met their girlfriends or wives for the first time and we kind of went off in a little group and I remember we started talking about periods and like all these deep things and we just met that day and I think that is what is so amazing about sisterhood is that you can meet strangers and you instantly connect over your experience of being female and there's this inherent trust and safety often when you meet other women and you have that connection. So I am all for sisterhood. I love women. I love women supporting women, rising in their power. I'm absolutely all about it. Mm, no, it's it's so true. Like, like you just said about, you know, when you meet somebody in a club or I've met so many women on coaching programs that are the other side of the world. Um, I've got a friend who lives in Peterborough we've never met but we speak every day you know and it's like you just got that instant connection where you feel like and I think especially even more so since I've been on programs myself you do it's like you're on a journey you you then know women like their stories they know more about you than like you might have even have told some you know like what I've told my sisters like I've shared more in circles and I think when you feel safe to be able to share as well, like it's so, so powerful. Mm. Absolutely. And I thought of one more thing I want to add as well. So we yeah. talked about rebranding and we talked about having a contraction before an expansion. The same happens with rebranding. So as you go in a new direction, you'll find that you will lose some followers. Some people will unsubscribe from your email list. So you have to be so certain in your rebrand that this is what I'm going to do because some people will leave as you have that contraction and then you expand and it can be like, oh, you know, why is everyone leaving? What's happening? So just yeah. know that, that little contraction is also part of a rebrand as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Liz. It's been incredible to have you on. And I know that this is, yeah, this episode is going to go down like a storm. So all to our listeners, do let us know when you are listening to this tag, Liz and I uh, tag my social sister. And yeah, all of Liz's tags will be in the show notes. But Liz, if you want to share like where everyone can find you or come and message you or your website, yeah, so I actually set up a little page this morning because I got the intuitive hit to do this. And it's lizroberta.com forward slash reading. And I will give a free angel card reading to whoever goes to that page. My Instagram is at I am Liz Roberta. My book is called Living in Tune. Um, it's available on Amazon, WH Smith's, Waterstones, all the places. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Instagram is where I'm most active. And if you want a free card reading, lizroberta.com forward slash reading amazing thank you so much Liz and yeah do let us know if you have any feedback or leave a review on this we would love to hear from you so thank you everyone for listening and thank you Liz thank you so much thank you bye